Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Welcome back to episode 71 of Freight 360. And if you're new, welcome to Freight 360 for the first time. Ben, we, uh, we're, we're halfway through January, and it doesn't feel like a different year yet to me. How about you? No, nah, I'm starting <laughs> to get there, but I got a lot of calls with a lot of my clients that are obviously putting their goals together and getting some great starts to the new year. So it's, it's starting to come a little quicker, actually. Starting to feel like a new year to myself. Good. Good. I like the positivity. So today's today's show is going to be all about how to handle some driver issues or maybe some complaints you've got or some hurdles that you have, hiccups along the way, because we've all dealt with them and they're going to always happen um, at some point or another down the road. But first, thank you for joining us once again here at Freight 360. And if you are brand new here, make sure to share us with all your other friends and colleagues in the industry after you listen to today's episode leave us a review. We've got uh, a handful of reviews on iTunes. I think we're up to like 50 or 60 reviews now. And those reviews and those five stars, that helps us rank higher. And we're we're approaching, was it the 40,000 downloads now? We're getting up there, man. We're, we're close. Crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Big milestones. 2021 is going to be a huge year for us. So uh, just keep, you know, keep the word going. Let us know what you guys want to hear for content. If you have questions that you want answered on the Q&A section, you can go to Freight360.net and contact us that way. You can go to our Freight Brokers and Carriers Network Group Facebook group that we've got. um, Or, you know, just contact me or Ben directly. There are links in the show notes for both of our LinkedIn's. So, Ben, I do think we have to address a couple of sports-related. That was a travesty. Thanks. It was the Steelers' loss, I think, and I mean it's a consensus amongst. It was twenty-eight pretty- to zero, like in the first half of the game. End of the first quarter. In fact, that was quarter. the first time in NFL playoff history. By the way, that final score that was that large, and I think the first time in NFL playoff history that a team started off twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, man, that was that was bad. So when, when I saw that, um, I like to I like to dabble a little bit in some some sports betting, and I'll do like me, my, my brother and I will put a little bit on you know like a spread or whatever. So we we took um, we had Pittsburgh to cover the spread it was six, and right? And that obviously you know yeah, that didn't, didn't pan out. But I also randomly and I did it by mistake. I did put money on Cleveland on the money line. Oh. So I, I, it actually kind of like it covered my, like it, it kind of became, I think I actually won like 10 bucks. So nice. yeah, it was, it was weird. So, but yeah, anyway, the bills had a, uh, their first playoff win in uh, over two decades. I was at the game on Saturday. They're playing again, Saturday night hosting Baltimore. I'll tell you the, the Indianapolis game. It was a great game too. I mean, everybody I talked to around the country, I mean, I know obviously you and I were texting throughout the game, but everybody else I was talking to around the country had said like, that was probably one of the best football games all year, if not in recent memory. I will tell you the being there was amazing. Um, pretty much half the fans there were shedding tears after the game, myself included. I was like, there's that guy, there's a meme floating around that just shows this guy bawling at the stadium with his Bills gear on. And it's like, yeah. he wasn't the only one. There are so many, so many grown men and women just crying at the, at the victory. Tears of, the of joy. 
So two it yeah. over two decade drought. Yep. So the I personally think that the Bills didn't play to their top, you know, their top performance on Saturday. Um, but I think that the key to Saturday, this Saturday's game against Baltimore is going to be to keep some strong linebacker presence, you know, your your Matt Milano's and such to make sure that Lamar Jackson can't run the ball. He's got to actually play quarterback. And at that point, I think the Bills will have a fairly good win. I think it's going to be close to a 10-point victory. This, the spread's been hovering over like two two points. That's it. Well, Lamar um, Jackson had a really good game last week. I didn't watch it, but I know I saw a lot of the highlights yeah, from it. I against mean, Tennessee. Yeah, they um, – mm-hmm. that was – that was a bloodbath of a game. Just, I mean, just watching those two play each other is because honestly, Tennessee beat Buffalo up earlier in the year and then Baltimore beat Buffalo up last year. And it's like, who did I really want to play? I was hoping the Steelers won because we beat the Steelers yeah. this year, but hey, we'll see. Baltimore. Um, I'm going to give my Super Bowl predictions already. I'm going to tell, go- tell you who's going to the Super Bowl. Who do you think? I think the NFC is going to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go because I think they're going to beat the Saints this weekend. And then I think they're going to beat either Green Bay or it's probably going to beat Green Bay the following week. And then I think they're going to, I think they're going to be hosting their own Super Bowl in in Tampa Bay. And I think you're going to see the Buffalo Bills facing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I'm just calling it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh. I, I think New Orleans beats Tampa Bay next week. Do you think we'll Buffalo see. can go to the Super Bowl, though? I think Buffalo has the shot. I, <clears throat> I definitely think they're my favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. New Orleans looks pretty good. Kansas City looks pretty good, too. You know, <clears throat> Kansas City is awesome. I think I'm just biased because, you know, literally live in Orchard Park. So, yeah, good stuff. Anything else on sports? What's what's happening with the golf? A uh, few people I've seen over the past week. Oh, big news in golf was that um, actually Trump's course lost the PGA tournament this year in 2022. That was like literally the biggest news in golf over the past week or oh, two. I, were they supposed to, I didn't even know they were supposed to have it because that one hops around, right? Yeah, it, was, I think it was the WGC. I think it was the World Golf Championship was supposed to be at one of his resorts. It wasn't at the one um, in Palm Beach down by me. It was a, at another one of his resorts, but they they pulled it because of well, I mean, everybody else watching the news has a good idea what's going on. We yeah. need to rehash any of that, but that was the biggest news. And a couple of people um, tested positive for COVID. Not much news in golf yet. Gotcha. Well, I will tell you, getting my uh, <clears throat> my COVID test last week before the game. <clears throat> excuse me. They're they're much less intrusive now. The first one I got way back in like last May was like I feel like it touched my brain. This one was just a little swab around the inside of my nose. It's funny you said that. I had one done two, three weeks ago and same thing. I was like, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing, but same thing. I was like super nervous. I'm like, man, I do not really want somebody to stick that swab up in my sinus cavity. And it wasn't bad at all. Like no. it was really like a couple seconds. I didn't even notice your eyes water and it was done. I'm actually supposed to get my <clears throat> vaccine this week through the army. And I will see, we'll see if that still happens because they wanted oh, us nice. to go to, to DC, which I didn't end up going, but uh, Hey, we'll see. We'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, but we anyway, a good topic today. What's that? I said, we got a good show topic. We have today. a great show today. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about carrier issues. So we've had 
so many people ask questions about what do I do when fill in the blank, right? And so you're a coach and I work with agents, right? These folks all run into hurdles. Now everyone has a different level of competence when it comes to overcoming these hurdles. So, I mean, there's plenty of folks that I'll learn stuff from because they've done it and experienced it way more than I have. And I've actually, you know, obviously I learned a lot from you and, and your experience. The biggest one that I always see, because we're going to talk about, um, you know, driver not answering your calls, right? Yep. Or driver has told you that they're holding the, hold the load hostage, or they've shut off their GPS, or they're late to pick up, late to delivery, um, demanding more money. I mean, we're going to talk through a bunch of these. The biggest one that I've seen, and it's happened legitimately like three or four times in the last month is with some of my agents is I can't get a hold of my driver. They're already have my, they already have the load and I have no idea where they are. And then that's going to lead into, you know, two, three, four, sometimes more than a week of just unknown, no clue where they're at or what's going on. So let's talk through this one. What do you do when you can't get a hold of your driver and you're unable to give your customer updates? Well, when we talked through this, we talked through this the other day too. The first question or the first thing that I try to ask myself or that I think anybody out there should ask is, you know, what's the objective here, right? Because, and I think this helps alleviate a lot of the issues that other brokers I've seen have is, you know, immediate knee jerk is, my customer needs to know I'm frustrated. Start yelling at the dispatcher. Where's this yeah. driver at? Why is nobody calling? Right. Yeah. Or and we, we, and we all know that, you know, getting, you know, getting aggressive always makes the situation so much better. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. De-escalates <laughs> things in, immediately. Or the, the second option, which is start blowing up everybody's phone, calling yep. the carrier over and over again, sending text messages and doing the same thing to the dispatcher. Right. Threatening. Threatening. I'm not paying this, you. Yes. I've, I've heard it all. And if you put yourself in their shoes, right? Do any of those things make you want to respond faster? No. Right? No. Think the about others, if you're ever in a think about if you're in a fight with anybody, family member, friend, coworker. Escalating the conflict does not help. lead to resolution. It right. leads to the other side digging in their heels and them parties moving farther apart, right? And the the first part to think and I guess to to really focus on is that Things happen all of the time with truck drivers, right? You have tires that blow out. You have out of service issues, things that happen just transporting goods that happen in the normal course of business, right? So the first assumption though from a broker is this guy's ignoring my calls as opposed to thinking, you know, well, what if something maybe is just wrong with a truck, right? Now, put yourself in that position. If something is wrong, let's say you had a flat tire on the side of the road and while you're trying to deal with this flat tire and the issue, maybe in the middle of an interstate, maybe you're driving down the interstate trying to find a place to get the tire fixed, whatever that issue is, that broker calling more and more frequently and now threatening you, like, what do you think that looks like from the driver's point of view? Oh, they're what just going to be like, I'm going to silence my phone. I'm not going to look at it. And yeah. uh, I'm just going to give you news when it's positive and not when it's continuously negative. Yeah, they're so it's, it's put yourself in their shoes. I agree. Yeah, less and less likely to give you any information. And that's usually why you'll see a driver then just not respond at all until they get sometimes deliver the load. And then they'll just send you the BOL and you're like, I'm going to talk to this guy in three days. And it's usually because it escalated and that's the decision the guy made. Hey, I'll get the load there. I'm going to do what I was told, but I, I don't need to deal with this harassment. That's why I own my own truck or I'm an owner op and everything else that goes along with that, right? 
And, and I think a good point to be made here, like you said, stuff happens all the time. Customers know that stuff happens. And I think right. the, the best thing that you can do, and I'll, I'll let you speak to how to deal with the carrier and the dispatcher and kind of how to uh, address that and take that angle. But talking with your customer is, and we've said it before, is bad news gets worse with time. So you need to get ahead of it and just be as upfront and honest and transparent as possible. Your customer will respect you for delivering bad news, even if it's going to upset them. At the end of the day, they're going to respect you for the fact that you were straightforward with them. You didn't try to hide it from them and you were able to get ahead of it as much as possible. Because that way, way, that also builds trust. Yeah, that establishes what you just said. I don't want to cut you off, but that establishes trust with your customer. They want to know that they're working with somebody that's willing to give them bad news. Like yeah. It actually works in your favor in a lot of cases. Yeah, because if they're shipping outbound, their receiver needs to know if they're going to expect something to be on time or not. So like yeah. big examples of this, um, I've had folks that do trade shows, right? And if, I mean, if you miss a trade show, that's huge. Yeah. Not to mention, I've had folks that have um, very important industrial parts that will shut down production. I've had um, college campuses and getting a turf field installed for their athletic facility and truck didn't show up that had all this stuff. And there was contractors that were hired and supposed to be there on time. So it's like, yeah, your truck didn't show up and you didn't tell your customer. But what you didn't realize is that they still had a bunch of other parts of their logistics to get in place and scheduled that revolved around yep. you having a truck there on time. Absolutely. And and we can go through the customer side too in a moment, but even back to just like, right, the dispatchers and driver, right? Our goal, find out what's going on, right? So the most effective way I've seen this done is leading with empathy. I mean, genuinely caring what's going on on the other side. I mean, shocking, the, the best way to resolution is to genuinely care about the people you're working with. This is one of the reasons why we harp on this message so much is they are your partners. And you would be amazed at how much farther you get just by leaving a message with the carrier that is along the lines of, hey, I know we were going to check in this morning. I know we chatted yesterday. I hadn't been able to reach you. Just want to make sure everything's okay. When you get a chance, can you give me a call back? That's it, right? My second message, maybe an hour or two later, might be, hey, look, I'm sure something came up on your end. I hope everything's okay. If there is something wrong, if you're having a truck issue, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm leading with that. I'm telling him, hey, I know there's probably an issue with a truck. If there is an issue, I'm okay with that. I'm setting the tone that if he gives me the news, he may be scared to give me. I am okay with it. I've probably already assumed that's happened anyway. Just give me a call to let me know that you're okay. Like the human being not my load, not the truck, not the delivery time. I care about the driver. I wanted to make sure you're all right. Give me a, give me a call back. 90% of the time you get a text message. And if it is an out of service issue, they're like, Hey, I had a service light come on. I had to pull over or whatever that is. That almost always resolves that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as, yeah, like they had a mechanical issue. It could be that they had a personal issue in their family and they had to pull over and hop yep. on the phone with family. And then maybe they, they hit their hours for the day and they're embarrassed and whatever, you know, cause now they're like, how am I going to make this up? So I like it. The, the leading with empathy part is huge. Now and dispatcher, 
So not much different with the dispatcher, right? Yep. I'm going to, that same sentiment. And that's why I'm calling the dispatcher is it's going to be like, Hey, you know, I, I didn't talk to Robert. I didn't talk to our driver this morning when I was doing our morning check calls. Have you talked with him? Is he all right? Did he have any issues with his truck? Can you let me know? Usually that alone, like the driver usually will have called the dispatcher if he had a service issue or if he's yep. running late, if that happened. So nine times out of 10, that resolves it in and of itself, right? Genuinely caring about the person gets you the answer. The dispatcher, and even if it doesn't, the dispatcher, you're not biting the dispatcher's head off. You're not yelling about the customer's load. You're not worried. Like if you keep your focus on the human being, the dispatcher will usually be able to get a hold of the driver if you hadn't been able to. And I would say too, as you're building an initial rapport and relationship with a newer carrier within your uh, within your business, to set that tone from the beginning is going to be huge, right? To set that tone that hey. I understand stuff will happen. Issues will pop up. You'll have, there will be weather. There will be mechanical problems. There will be delays. Um, just keep me posted. You know, I want to do the best I can to make sure that we, if we have to adjust something for you, we adjust it. If, you know, if we have to give the customer an update, we can do that. Set that tone as a positive, like it's going to happen. Let's just make sure we're transparent about it versus just, having a uh, 10 different fines listed in your rate confirmation then threatening them the first time that something bad pops up and you don't hear from them. Absolutely. So, and, and I'm going to do a short little anecdote on really kind of how I, I, I want to say learn this, but what really reinforced this for me. So I was shipping a load of um, insulated steel coils uh, like steel lines from like, it was like New Orleans port up to like the Michigan area. Were they loaded donut or suicide? They weren't like rolled coils. They oh, were. Okay. They looked like the power. That was a little lines. throwback from our flatbed episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but regardless, right? The guy was driving through like a very rural area of Alabama, and we lost contact with him like Friday afternoon. Um, and the driver had been really responsive up to then. It was an older guy, like in his mid sixties, but really nice. And it was really odd because we couldn't reach him. I spoke to the dispatcher. Same thing. Same thing Saturday. Same thing by Sunday night, nobody had been able to reach him, but we were concerned, genuinely, the dispatcher and myself, small trucking company, it was like out of Wyoming. And, you know, we're genuinely trying to find this guy now. So we did um, notify some local authorities to see if there had been any accidents in the area. And we had found Monday morning that that is actually what happened. It turned out that the driver going down one of the interstates had a heart attack. Oh my God lost control of the vehicle or knew he was losing control because of the heart attack. And he intentionally steered his rig off the road into a tree to miss a rest stop that had a bunch of parked cars in it, saved their lives, hit the tree. They don't know if he passed away upon impact before or after, but the truck exploded, burned to the ground. Oh my God. Obviously fatality. It was a horrible situation. But working through that, right, when you genuinely have some, it gives me chills even just thinking about it, like really working through those issues and, you know, tragedy like kind of brings you closer, like really working through this with these dispatchers and like the fallout and having to deal with that after, like really made you realize like at the end of the day, the people matter much more than the loads you're shipping. They matter much more than the customer's issues or any of the things that you think are the most important, right? There is a human being behind there. And when you have that perspective that these things do happen, it makes it a lot easier for your go-to move when you seem to be upset to genuinely care about that human being and to make sure there isn't anything that's happened like this. I agree. And think about the compassion that your customer 
the shipper, the receiver, everyone will have if they realize that there's a real world issue that's serious. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's not just, oh, the broker screwed up and hired a crappy carrier. It's, oh, my gosh, everyone did everything right. There's just something really bad. Happened. happened. Yeah, it's an accident. So and you can't avoid that. Or even, you know, another thing there could be you could have a, a carrier that gets delayed by and we'll talk about delays either way. Um, even if they are communicating with you, but say there's a, a snowstorm or a big accident, a big pileup, and these folks are delayed. It's it's no one's fault. It just it's the nature of the beast. It's all about the keeping business. that communication with your customer and, and explaining why, right? Like we always say, don't give your customer a higher rate with explaining without explaining why the rate has gone up, right? So don't tell them the truck's going to be late without being. I'll give them a reason why. So just giving context, I think is, is, is a big part of it. Yeah. And the more, and, and back to beat that home is that, you know, the more these people you have rapport with them, the more you have a relationship with them, this information will flow freely back and forth. I mean, the drivers that I worked with and the carriers and the dispatchers that I worked with time and time again, like nobody was hesitating to call me, even when they thought an issue was coming up, like, Hey, just giving you a heads up. Tons of traffic coming up. Want to let you know, hey, if you want to let the shipper know. And that's really what you want. That's why they're your partners. They're literally your eyes on the ground. They're giving you visibility into what's actually happening there. Agreed. So let's take it. A, let's go to, it's been a day, two days. No, no response from the driver. No response from the dispatcher. You can't get a hold of anybody and your customer is starting to get a little antsy or they're already off, you know, they're off the rails. How do we go about handling this? So, I mean, there's, there's, and there's different ways and I'm not going to say there's a right answer, but let's talk through some of the situations that we've, we've seen and had happen and how they played out. Well, I mean, I I think you're starting to now determine whether or not, I mean, is it likely your load could, I mean, I wouldn't think this falls under the hostage category. I mean, it may fall under, you know, theft of cargo. And that's a possibility, right? If you haven't heard from your driver in two, three days, I'm curious, what are your protocols? Because one of the biggest things I worked for a larger broker, like we had status protocols and SOP that like our load would get marked and then we would notify a different department. They would then move these things in that direction. And as if you're a W2, likely some of these things exist already. Yeah. So I'll tell you kind of the experience that I've had with folks across multiple companies um, just to kind of lay it out up front is at the end of the day, there's really not a whole lot you can do. There is unfortunately, unfortunately, you think you can, you yeah, think you can just, you can't. right. So, and what's, what sucks is the majority of the time that I, that people come to me and say, what do I do? They've already made the mistake of getting hostile with the driver. They've left, they've left threatening voicemails and texts. The dispatcher is no longer on their side doesn't want to help them. So now it's like, okay, now what do I do? So I'll give you two things that I've, I've seen and they don't always work. Okay. First of all, first off, don't call the cops because the police, because a lot of people, a lot of people have been like, Nate, should I call the police? And it's like, what are they going to do? Like they have no evidence that somebody has stolen your stolen the cargo or is holding a load hostage. They're just not answering the phone. So here and this, this kind of came to me from an old, an old mentor in the industry is a carrier is often more likely to answer a call from their insurance agent or insurance broker than from a pissed off broker. 
freight yep. broker, right? So to look up their insurance information through whatever tools you're using. So you like- You should have their deck page. If they're your carrier, you should yeah. have their insurance deck page before you dispatch them anyway. Right. So a lot of carrier vetting sites out there and, and tools out there. Um, obviously, we were talking with DAT last week. They've got a great one out there that does all the carrier vetting for you. Actually, we should probably do a highlight on that at some point to kind of go through the tools of it or the the you know tips and tricks on it. But whether you're using you know just FMCSA or 411 or whatever tool you're using, right? You have to, at some point you're pulling their insurance, whether it's directly from them or from their agent or through a you know. RMIS or whatever the case might be, uh, mycarrierpackets.com, you can get their insurance company's information. Contact them. It's a kind of a long shot, but I've seen it work before where they're like, hey, you know, we had this is a situation. Can you try to give them a call so we don't prevent any possible claim or issue that's going to pop up? And I've seen it work. It doesn't work. You know, it's less than half the time, but it's it's a, maybe a shot in the dark or a long shot. But I've seen it work where you go through their insurance company. Another one, and this is this was this was like brand new to me. Certain states have like highway, like uh, it's like almost like highway patrol. That's not state police, but they're designed for commercial uh, highway infractions or whatever. And this popped up. It was like in, I gotta look at my map here. It was either in Illinois or Wisconsin. And the girl called, she somehow got a hold of this highway department that oversees commercial vehicles and traffic. And they were able to locate where the truck was because they saw it was pulled off on the side of the road. It was reported through the um, law enforcement chains and they could end up being able to tell her like, yeah, you know, this guy's at mile marker, whatever. It looks like it's broken down. That's the last, latest report we got. So don't call the police trying to report something, but there are, check the state that they're in or where they were spo- supposed there to be. might be, be some in. other resources. Yeah. Yeah. There's just look for the resources that are out there and you can, you can rely on your customer to say, Hey, you, obviously this is not a brand new lane. What do you guys know about this, this area? Have you had this situation before and how, how did you want to go about resolving it. Um, so those are two is, you know, look at the resources out there, such as these highway departments. It's not state police, just to be clear. Um, and the other one is the ins- going through the insurance company. Um, but again, don't call the police trying to report a load being held hostage when it's been four hours. And one of the important things to talk about that we should have probably hit on in the beginning of this, and hopefully somebody isn't skipping over this aspect of the podcast, is that this should, you need to document all of these things. From yes. the first check call that you made that wasn't answered needs to be documented. This is the value of your TMS system. You need a paper trail. You need all of these things recorded. Yep. You want to make sure that every attempt is so that then later, should there be an issue, you've got the paper trail, right? Yep. Because I can't I not- can't tell you how many times that I've had somebody file on a bond for um, carrier payment being docked. And we were able to prove the reason that they were docked based on late fees and all that stuff, because we had time stamped in the TMS, the conversations, copies of the text messages, copies of the emails. There was even rec- voice recordings of phone calls. Um, but hey, you remember, just like you can record them, they can record you. So don't fly off the rails. I've had somebody um, lose and have to pay up because they were being recorded and they were being a total just a hole. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say jackass, but 
but we're going to the next topic tag on this episode because where a lot of this fear comes from is either a stolen loan or a load being held hostage and i've absolutely had this i have had loads held hostage i've had money extorted the interesting thing about this and i'm curious to hear how you guys pursue this so if a carrier asks for more money and threatens to you know not deliver the load without it how do you guys move through that what are your protocols um well agent based we don't have a company wide sop that addresses that specifically so the the biggest thing for us is to when it comes to fining we look at everything super subjectively and we will support an agent deducting pay from their carrier as long as the customer has deducted their their invoice rate. We're not trying to make profit off of deductions right. or fines or anything like that. First of all, so that's that. Um, as far as a load being held hostage and demanding more, uh, I, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. Here's what I learned. And this was from experience. I had a load and it was over a holiday. It was a high priority load. It was a half a million dollar shipment of um, tech. I think it was like Motorola communication equipment going to the Canadian military. And over this holiday, a carrier couldn't make it or said they couldn't make it because of snow, turned around, transloaded the load, then locked the load in their yard and threatened to not give it to the carrier transloading unless I paid them more. Even though they never going to like uh, New Brunswick or Prince Edward Island or something like that. Yeah, it was that one up. And and I can't remember the name of the island off to the right of Canada, but it's just north off to the right side of the continent, right? If you're looking at the map. Prince Edward Island, right? PEI. Yeah. yeah. Um, great, great oysters up there, by the way. Yum. So the, he made it onto the island, turned around back, and then locked his trailer. So literally didn't take the load anywhere, brought it back, and then threatened to not give it to the next carrier unless I paid him more. And what I learned from it was, and this was the company I worked for's protocol, was they were like, listen, our goal was to get the load delivered. Now, the perspective and what I learned from this was they're like, look, you know, as long as we're documenting all of these things, yeah. for instance, you are being threatened and documented specifically the threat, like carrier is refusing to transload shipment or to hand the, the um, trailer off to another carrier to deliver it unless we pay a certain amount of dollars. All of that's documented, right? And they said, now approve the Raycon, like send it to them. Yep. Give them what they're asking because we're not releasing the funds anyway. You've documented the extortion. Yep. You've given them what they're saying they needed to to release it. Our obligation is to get the goods delivered. We'll handle this after the fact. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I approved something like $11,000 to this one carrier that only delivered a load half the way there because of all these things they were saying were issues and then extorting more money from me. But at the end of the day, it all worked out in a claim because you claim the carrier back, then the insurance companies get involved and then the bonds get involved. And once you've documented all this, the carrier did get paid. But once they deducted all of the other fees associated with it, like the carrier didn't end up winning anything. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is I, I, I think if it was me, and like I said, we don't have a, a company SOP. That's the, the beauty of being an independent agent is that you get to run your own business. There obviously are, there's ethics involved and limits on that. But if it was me personally, I would probably go about the same thing, but I heavily documenting it. But mm -hmm. like you said, especially with a high dollar value or sensitive freight like that, get it delivered. And like you said, you're not releasing funds anyway. You know what I mean? What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't be releasing a quick pay 
or I'm yes. sorry, a fuel advance on that load. That's where I would, that's where I would personally draw the line because you can't recoup that money once it's been right. sent off. That's cash. And a lot of companies, they'll, they'll issue out almost up to half of the line haul once the load's been picked up. So, um, and where you can kind of get into some dangerous situations is depending on which company you work for, whether it's Comcheck or EFS, these fuel advances can be sent off by the actual agent in some cases, by the actual um, W-2 broker in the brokerage office. Uh, once that money's been sent, you're not getting it back if it's more than the total amount that you're going to actually settle with them. So yep. just keep that in mind, right? So interesting. But again, there's no good answer here, man. It's, no, it's but I think just, it's, it's a bad And day. I think I want to circle back to you because we had this as a topic we were going to jump into before the load being held hostage, which is, you know, what do you do if your driver accepts GPS? Four hours later, they turn it off, right? Um. There is a lot. So nine times out of 10, I always advise people don't do anything as long as long as the, if the shipment still delivered on time, if, if there was no issues, I'm not going to dock them. I've seen people that put fines in there for failure to accept GPS or failure to uh, maintain GPS will result in a deduction of whatever. If the customer truly finds you for that, because they have updates coming to them and it caused some kind of issue on their end, then I see it. I can see them, the fine going through. Um, but Agreed. I'm not about giving erroneous fines out just because you want to make an extra 50 bucks. It's a bad practice. It's not ethical. Um, but if they're not accepting it, uh, well, we talked about that. Is your question like, then what do you do? How do you get a hold of them? No, because I think we, and we've covered that is that, you know, I, both of us kind of agreed that SOP is you shouldn't have instruction sent until GPS is accepted. So they shouldn't be able to really even be dispatched until they've accepted it. They can so, shut it off though. That's the thing though. Right. They can disable it. And what I've, uh, the most effective way, it's kind of the same way I used to solve the other, just not answering the phone issue, which is like, I'm going to sell it to them on the benefit. I'm going to shoot them a text or maybe even leave them a voicemail. Like, Hey, I saw your GPS went off. I'm sure you guys, you know, it must've just been an accident, but Hey, I was hoping we could avoid having to call you twice a day for the next week. If you can accept the GPS, this eliminates the hassle of us having to give you a call every day, but yeah. either way, I'm okay with it. Nine times out yep. of 10, they turn it back on because they don't want to be hassled either. Yep, exactly. And I think the biggest thing here with the GPS tracking is set the expectation up front. Don't send the load details until they've accepted it. Cause a lot of times the, it's a customer requirement. So I've got, Right. Um, I, I've got folks who have customers that require macro point and it's live macro point tracing. So it's not like it's set up through the TMS. They go through a third party that the cust third party system that the customer is contracted with and it has to be loaded in that way. And they have live tracking the entire way because they need to be they need to be able to know where this is. Are they going to make their next appointment? Because there might be two, three stops along the way and they got to make sure that each one's going to hit at the right time. Um, so if it's a customer requirement, just make sure your carrier understands this first. Okay. Cause if, if they're not cool with it and they don't want to be tracked, 
you find out the, the best That's character. Fine, but hey, it's like what we talked about earlier. We were talking about testimonials the one day. The one of the main reasons why these problems arise is because of unmet expectations. Yep. And the reason you've got unmet expectations is because they weren't clear in the first place. So yeah. when you're booking this carry, if you have a customer that absolutely wants visibility into their load, and that is their requirement for you, that they want to make sure that you have on the cares, you express that, hey, Ask them, do you have any issue with GPS tracking? Just don't drop it on them at the last minute. Go, hey, don't turn this off. I need you to accept this. Explain why. Explain the context. Hey, the carrier needs, the, the customer needs this because of this. It's a multi-stop lane. They have a lot of regimented receiving at the other end. They need to know when these trucks are coming in and where they're coming from. So, hey, if yeah. you got an issue with that, maybe we'll find another carrier. But if you don't, then... Great. So, and I think what's cool too is with ELDs now, a lot of these in-cab systems have GPS where if they disable their macro point, you can still call the dispatcher and get a documented update on where they were yes. last, whatever. Almost and, the dispatchers always have this. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, we just, he, you know, he's passing through this area 30 minutes ago. And it's like, cool. Can you just send me that in an email? Right. Or, or just document it somehow so you have confirmation of whatever. So now I will say that we've gone through a lot of issues, right? The question is, the load finally delivers. What do you do with the carrier? Do you blacklist them? Do you have a conversation with them about what went right, what went wrong? Do you find them? Again, there's no right answer. And every company is going to have different SOPs. But let's talk through... You know, if they held it hostage, absolutely I'm blacklisting them. Blacklisted. Never again. Yep. If they threaten to hold a load hostage, unless yep. it's in jest and or in a heated argument and it kind of de-escalates and they apologize, almost without a doubt, I'm never using that carrier again. Yep. But if they're just simply late to pick up or late to delivery or miss a check call by a little bit because of whatever reason and it doesn't cause a lot of damage and you keep your customers updated, just I, I think you have a little a little, um, we call it in the army, we call it an after action review. You kind of go over like a little hot wash. What, what was supposed to happen? What actually happened? And, and the, what can we and do the, going forward? Right. Because the other side of this is you can blacklist the driver, maybe not necessarily a carrier, right? You need to be able to talk to the dispatcher and see where they fall on the side of this, right? I mean, it's not about supporting their driver, not supporting it. It's, hey, when this went down, like, do you find this behavior acceptable? Because most of the time when this has happened throughout my career, the dispatcher agreed with us and said, yeah, like, you know what? We're not going to keep working with this driver. We're going to let him go because this isn't acceptable for our company. Yep. We don't want them representing us. We want to continue doing business with your company. This is an isolated incident. And the same thing goes, this goes two ways, right? I've had carriers that would say, we're not hauling a load for your brokerage because of Joe Schmo and what he yep. did to our driver two months ago. And it's like, well, I'm a totally different broker, a totally different agent. And, you know, if you can work through that, that was addressed. That person is no longer with the company. They're no longer handling brokerage, right? If you can show what you've done to handle the situation and address it, it shows good faith. And they, that's same thing on the carrier side. Like, hey, we didn't want to use them because of one bad driver, but that carrier has a large fleet and they're valuable to us. And, you know, we want to maintain that relationship long-term. So there's so many gray areas, so much subjective here. It's a very, very good discussion. Good. good it topic. is. And I think the, the thing, the big takeaways from this are, right? Like why do most of these things happen? Their fear, their emotion, 
I mean, they're scared. They don't want to give bad news the same way. A lot of brokers don't want to give bad news to their customers. Carrier doesn't want to do the same thing either, right? Like they don't want their, they don't want to be micromanaged the same reason you don't want to be micromanaged the same way nobody wants to, right? And if it's a partnership and it's a give and take, that takes this out of it. And most of these issues won't arise if you're treating these carriers that way and you actually genuinely care. That's, that's the golden goose right there, man, is to treat them with respect and not just, not just as a commodity and, you know, they'll give the respect back, back to you, hopefully. And it so. costs you nothing, right? Costs you nothing to be nice. <laughs> and it usually feels better when you're nice. Right. I hope, hope it does at least. So good stuff. All right. We've got a couple of Q&A questions here. We got through some pretty good discussion there. We can, we can dig down to all that stuff. If any, anyone listening has any specific examples of what they've dealt with and wants us to talk through them, contact us. Yeah, give us a ring. LinkedIn, the website, leave a review, whatever you want to do. Let us know. And we'll, we'll talk about that on a, on a question as a Q&A. So speaking of Q&A, we've got two questions today. First one comes from Reddit. The user says, do brokers occasionally make less than 5% or no profit at all just to move a load that they can't find drivers for? Um, yes, it definitely happens. Do I recommend it? It depends. If you've committed to a load and a driver fell off, I would book it at 5% or at break even rather than give it back. I'll lose. It depends. I mean, yeah. honestly, if it's a customer, especially, and I kind of judge these based on a week. I mean, like if I've got a pretty profitable week and things are going well, and I know it's a load my customer needs moved and I tried to get the cheaper truck and then the market shifts, like I'm going to, I'm going to take that one on the chin. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm, I have but a... I'm also, the important thing is you want to make sure you get credit for that. If you're going to spend that money, I'm absolutely making sure my customer knows at the end of the day was, Hey, you know, that truck that, that we hoped was a backhaul wasn't able to make it. I, you know, I lost about 300 bucks on this load. That's yep. buying you goodwill, right? Like that's money well spent. So real world story. This happened right around new year's new agent working with me and it's the holiday crunch, right? A lot of drive capacity's tight. A lot of drivers are just shut down because they want to spend time with the family. So you've got less available on the road. And she even comes to me. She's like, Nate, please don't look at these loads and think that I'm booking them at break even or at a negative for no reason. I, I it's going to be super hard and drivers are going to fall off. And I was like, Hey, I get it. Do what you got to do. Um, so then she, I think she, the first one she ended up booking at break even. The next one was at like 4%. And now halfway into January, she's consistently back up at her like 15 plus percent. So, and that stuff happens. Some of it was just because of tight capacity and she wanted to keep her customer happy. Some of it was because a driver committed and then fell off or found a better load before she got the Raycon out. I mean, it's going to happen. What I caution you to do is when you don't have to, don't just win freight because you can bid it low and yes. try to make up for it by doing a volume of it. Much Bad different, precedent. much different story, much different oh, yeah. context, right? In yeah. fact, there are even some weeks where, like you said, I mean, maybe before Thanksgiving, the market's shifting. I mean, I'm going to help my customer where they can. And I'm also going to come back to some of the weeks and ask them like, hey, you know what? I'm having a tight week. Do you have any more loads you can shift? I definitely helped you out a couple of weeks ago. Anything you can do for me, it's a two-way street. Yeah. And, you know, the, the like we said, the holiday crunch, you should know about this stuff. And one of the, you know, you, you know what to expect and one of the things too, like we, we talked about with DAT's tools, right? You can, if you go to rate view, you could take a look at what the 
rates are at in the last seven days, right? The last 30 days. Also take a look back at the previous year at the same time. You can see all that data as far back as you want to go. And I think when Ken was on, he was telling us they've been tracking it for what, like eight years now, all yeah. their data. So Close a decade. That's yeah. One of the great things, check out DAT's products, check out the links in the show notes too. We've still got the, the free month of DAT power express and truckers edge. You get a free month just for signing up. There's a referral code attached right to the URL. Check it out with our, our friends from DAT over there. Um, all right. Next question. This one comes from Facebook. The question was, how can I transition from being a broker to being a carrier? And <laughs> when I saw this one, I giggled because we usually get the opposite question. Yeah. How do I get out of the truck and behind the computer screen? Right? So, well, is the context of this, they're saying, hey, we're running a profitable brokerage. We want to be able to basically own more money in the, in the chain, like actually Verbatim, capitalize. it says, here, here's what it says verbatim. I plan on transitioning from being a broker to a carrier. Any tips or do's and don'ts? That's the entire question. So I'm, I'm going to assume that what he means before we jump into this is, I've got customers. I'm going to now buy the trucks, hire the drivers, and we're going to support our own business. We don't know, but that's what that's that's yeah. what we're going to talk about here. Is if you're if you're going to close your brokerage and just go buy trucks, I don't recommend doing that. I would say do's and don'ts. Just don't. Okay, it's a very um, different business model. Unless you have a good good reason to. The do here's what I've seen. I've seen this happen with multiple people. Right, they're a licensed broker, or they're an agent, or you know, they run a fairly good size brokerage that has agents as well, or some W2, any kind of mix, right? It's not going to happen if you're just a W2 sales guy in an office. So if you have control over the company or your agency, here's what I've seen is folks expanding and opening up an asset division, right? They may opt to lease on drivers to their brokerage or get an asset authority and get some company drivers or some leased on drivers in order to get capacity to dedicate to their customers. Yep. I've seen it a lot of times in the expedite world where people will get some box trucks, spinner vans. So they know that I've got these, these dedicated lanes essentially, and I could put my own trucks on them. What I would caution you on is if you don't know the first thing about running a trucking company is to be very, very cautious, educate yourself, have a mentor and do it slowly, right? One truck, two trucks, and I have seen bigger brokerages that will get the asset authority to be able to be an asset-based brokerage because not only can they dedicate, asset, dedicate assets to their customers, on the bro their brokerage customers, they can also then check the box of we're asset-based. We can now work with this company, that company, this organization, this load board. So there's a lot of creative ways to do it. I would spend as much time as you can to learn about it, educate yourself on it, talk to someone else who's done it before, before you decide to do it. They're very, very different business models with very different liabilities, very different assets and very different risks, right? One of the main benefits to being a broker is that you're nimble enough to move with the market, right? So if a customer stops shipping a lane or your customer's customer stops buying product and they don't need that lane anymore, right? You can then shift your resources to where their needs are very quickly without having to buy or sell anything. 
if you own assets, you no longer have that ability. Yep. Yes, your guaranteed capacity for your customer for the past two years might've been the same lane. You buy an asset, but guess what? The asset of that life, that truck is much larger than one or two years. Oh yeah. At least a handful of years, if not seven or eight years on a truck, right? Now, if your customer's customer stops doing business with each other, now you don't have that lane anymore, which means you now need to go secure business because the bill on that truck needs to still get paid every month. The driver still needs paid every month. And now you're in the business of finding him work that fits with his schedule. Yep. And on top of that, you're also dealing with the human resources issue of hiring and managing people to drive these trucks, which is a whole other skill set in and of itself. Yeah. So the one of the things people do creatively is the leased on driver, right? It's, it's essentially a contract-based employment where they don't have to own the truck. They'll take an independent driver that has their own assets or their own truck and trailer, and they will lease them on under their asset authority. And then they can kind of come and go and grow that as, as needed. But keep in mind, you're going to have to have employees on your side to help manage that and have the dispatchers and have the back office to support it. Which is, I think, uh, I mean, we talk about this a lot. One of our large sponsors this year is going to be Lean Staffing, right? And they're a great company that allows you to outsource some of these things without having to staff them up internally and to take on these longer term employment contracts for these departments, right? If you're looking to get into some of these areas, that's a great resource for you to be able to outsource some of these with a 30 or 60 day contract as opposed to hiring five people and not knowing if you're going to be able to staff up their work for the next year or two. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty. So we're, I know we kind of hit on it on lean last week with having your own um, back office team in there, but dispatchers, you name it. And yeah, they're, they're month to month and it's a 60 days to, to get out of it. It's having that flexibility is huge. Check out the, you know, the link in the show notes for lean. It's, it's one of the first ones in there along with, with DAT great partnerships this year. And this is exactly why we partner with them. It's, it aligns exactly with what we're doing. So good question. Good stuff. Just make sure you take your time and and don't try to grow too fast because your your tower will topple. It's so. one of the biggest things I've learned in business is that growing too fast is just as dangerous as growing too slow. Yep. When oh, I yeah. read a quote the other day on that, it said, most small businesses die of indigestion, not starvation. They try to take on too much too quick and they can't swallow all of it. And that's why they sink. As tortoise in the hair, to- man. Every time you read it, the the tortoise always beats the hare. Always. Yeah. Slow and steady, baby. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, great, uh, great discussion. A good topic. If you guys have topics or questions that you want to talk about, let us know. Website, comments, hit us up on uh, LinkedIn. Show notes has everything you want to see in there. Mine and Ben's LinkedIn's, our website, our Facebook group, the links for free products from DAT for the first month. Lean staffing as well. Got a link in there. Check it all out. Let us know what you think. Ben. Yeah, that was a great episode. I mean, big takeaways. There's people behind all of these roles, right? It's easy to lose track of that when you're focused on your customer's issues, getting the shipment there and everything else that comes along with this business. Keeping in mind that there's a human being delivering this work, delivering the freight for you. That's how you make a living. The empathy, genuinely caring about the people you do business with is going to go a long way in preventing all of the things we discussed today from even happening in the first place. Absolutely. 100%. Any final thoughts, closing thoughts here? 
Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.